Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. We did an introduction to this series, uh, Fruit of the Spirit, and I had handed out tonight a little picture that has two trees on it, as you guys can see. If you don't have one, let me know. I didn't bring a lot because um, I didn't know how many people would actually show up. But just real quick, I didn't draw this. I found this on the Internet. It was the quickest thing I could find that made sense. But basically, before we come to Christ, we are the tree on the left, where it says um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And mostly, as we live our lives we are producing the fruit of going our own way, as the scripture says. And obviously, when we come to a faith in Christ and we confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, believe in our heart, confess with our mouth, from a true heart of repentance, seeing that we need a Savior, we are given a new spirit. We're born again. So now we have actually the power of the Lord within us to still have the ability because our flesh is not glorified, so we still have the ability to choose sin. But now we've been given a grace of the Lord, which is the Lord in us, to say no to that and to walk in righteousness, which if you look on this picture here, and for those on the video or that are listening I'm sorry you can't see this, but there's just two trees on a piece of paper. And then the tree of life is being nourished by the river of life. Robert, do you have one of these? You got one? Okay. And then you'll see the trunk is obedience, which produces life, the fruit of the Spirit. So, um, that makes hopefully that makes sense to you. It's pretty self-explanatory, but just wanted to kind of explain that a little bit. Uh, once again, but as a review, two seconds here, uh, we're talking about walking by the Spirit, which will produce the fruit of the Spirit. If you have your Bibles, turn to Galatians 5. I'm going to kind of just rip through this pretty quick. Galatians chapter 5, starting in verse 16, says, but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. Meaning, you want to obey the Lord now, but there's this law that's at work within our members that wants us to choose to go our own way. It's the same uh, thing that Eve and Adam had to experience in the garden. Now I kind of use it as an example as we have two trees on the inside of us and we can choose. So on this chart here, we are in the middle and we are choosing every day to either partake of sin and death or 
we can have the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which leads to being transformed by Christ, the spirit that now lives in us. So as we yield, and if I were to draw on this two trees chart, I would write the word, as we yield, we yield to the Lord. The Lord that's in us, to obey the Lord. So a lot of people think that, you know, we just start by willpower, start walking in this thing, producing our own fruit. That isn't true. Galatians 2.20 says, I have been crucified, I no longer live. I no longer live to engage in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We can now begin to engage Christ because the power of God that works in us, which is Christ in us, our hope of glory, we begin to partake of this fruit that we only have because we're connected to the vine and the Lord is producing fruit in us as we walk by the Spirit. Many know this, just a refresher. So Galatians 5, 16 through 25, verse 18, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God is righteousness, joy, and peace in the Holy Spirit. That is the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I just want to repeat that. That used to hit me every time I read it. Now, obviously, it still hits me because I still have a choice to choose the wrong tree, right? But it's like verse 24, and those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Romans 6, 6 says, We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. So in Christ, we are no longer slaves to sin. Do we still sin? Absolutely. We're not perfect, and by no means does God expect us to be perfect. He just wants us to follow him. And every day as we follow him, he sanctifies us. It's a process. We begin to become more and more like him as we yield to him, right? So we know that we all had the propensity to sin. It's just going to be there. But uh, it's like what you give yourselves to, that's what will control you. 
you give your power to those things, they will try to enslave you again. Like one of the scriptures says, if I begin to build up those things that I have been by the Spirit tearing down, what am I doing? I'm going backwards. And they, as you would say, some people would say, I'm backsliding. So, how do I produce the fruit of the Spirit? By walking by the Spirit. Because remember, it's not the fruit of Mike, it's the fruit of the Holy Spirit that's being produced in me by the Spirit as I yield my members to Christ and say no to my own way. In this battle between flesh and spirit, the spirit fights against the flesh. It's like a tennis court, and we're at the middle where the net is, and you got the spirit and you have the flesh. You have the two trees, you have the spirit and you have the flesh. You have a choice every day which team you're going to play with. That's why Paul said, I die daily. It's a daily choice. It's a daily choice. So, our fleshly desires are restrained by the Holy Spirit. There's a scripture in John, it says, he who is born of God cannot continue to sin. Well, I would read that and be like, well, maybe I'm not born of God. Because there's things in me that want to continue to sin, right? But there, in the meaning of those words there, he's saying you can't continue in it and enjoy it because there's a thing called conviction now that begins to come in and go, no, we're, we're leaving that. You, you died to that, and you no longer live. So the Lord will say, no, I forgive you as we repent. We dust the dirt off of where we have fallen, and we turn, and we begin to walk by the Spirit again. I know when I, in my early days that when I would sin uh, and choose the wrong way, I would feel condemnation, and I would almost do this, well, it'll take me about three days to kind of come up out of this slump, and the Lord began to say, what are you doing? There's no condemnation. You're going to fail, but if you follow me, you will be strengthened to the point of there will be a day when you won't succumb to that. You will always have that propensity, but you can become an overcomer. You can. Not in my own strength and not by my own willpower, but as I realize that Christ in me can do all things. But I have to begin to learn how to walk with Christ working within me. Amen? So, the fruit of the Spirit comes as a bouquet of flowers. It's not like, well, as we start working with the Lord, we produce love first, and then if we continue to grovel or whatever, we get patience. It's none of that. The Spirit of the Lord comes like a bouquet of flowers, and all the fruits are evident there. But as a sinner, we can choose the sin that we want to partake in. So just know that in the Greek linear Western uh, mentality, these aren't just like words that you can like use like dominoes. 
the fruit of the Spirit just blossoms. It's a bouquet. It's like when you send a, a bouquet of flowers to someone, an anniversary or a birthday or whatever. It's just beautiful, and it has all kind of things in it. That's how the Lord manifests the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. It's not like you get up today and go, well, I'm going to work on patience today. Right. Once again, you're dead. Let him live. That's a lot of times what most people miss when I talk about, you know, we, we have to put on, because the scripture says in Colossians, put on Christ. Set your mind. There is a work that we have to do. But as we make that decision to follow him, by his strength, he begins to carry us and operate in and through us. It's his work. Amen? So, turn to Hosea 14.8. I could start in verse 1 to, to make sense of it all, but I'll just start in verse 8. Oh, Ephraim... What have I to do with idols? Is it I who answer and look after you? I am like an evergreen cypress. From me comes your fruit. It's from the Lord that our fruit comes forth. It's not of me. If we were to go to Hosea chapter 2 verse 8... And she did not know that it was I who gave her the grain, the wine, and the oil, and who lavished on her silver and gold, which they used for Baal. Baal. A lot of times the Lord will do things in our lives and we'll use that to do works of the flesh or to enter into wickedness. And that's a great darkness. Turn to John 15, starting in verse 4. It says, Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. This is, once again, a review of what, we, of what we talked about last week. Like Larissa was saying earlier, you can go to last, uh, two weeks ago's teaching and get the introduction. It's really long. We kind of had some questions out there uh, as well. But uh, it's just a review. Uh, turn to Psalms 1. Most everybody that's read the book of Psalms loves Psalms 1. But in Psalms 1, verses 1 through 3, it says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight, this blessed man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates Day and night. 
Verse 3, he, this blessed man, is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. I mean, that's just beautiful. That is just absolutely beautiful to me. So he is like a tree. Jeremiah 17, 8 says, He is like a tree planted by water that sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes, for it leaves, its leaves remain green and is not anxious in the year of drought, for it does not cease to bear fruit. As a tree growing before the Lord, we are watered by the Word. The Word of God is what waters our roots. And as, as long as you stay in the Word, it will give you strength on a daily basis because it's living water. It's living water, and it strengthens us. Uh, turn to Romans 7, 4. It says, likewise, my brothers, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him who has been raised from the dead, in order that we may bear fruit for God. So you have died to the law through the body of Christ. His body was broken. His blood was shed, and as we partake in our faith and belief in the work of Christ and his shed blood and his resurrection, we now no longer live. We die with him in that faith and know that I can't produce anything. He died, now I die the death to sin, and I walk in newness of life. And this newness of life will spring forth from within my inner man. It's a spring that begins to come forth as I walk with the Lord. And it is my belief that we don't start out with an ocean to draw from. We start out with a deposit. And he goes, take this talent and obey me. And I'll increase it. I'll increase it. I'm just going to read something real quick. These are some of my thoughts. I, last night was a full moon, and because of my upbringing, I could go on a long rabbit trail about what usually takes place in certain circles during uh, full moon cycles. But uh, I usually stay up, uh, not because I want to, just because of the things that you experience at times. But I was thinking this. Can a man drink up the ocean in a cup? Can you imagine going to the ocean and standing there as the water is coming to you and you have a cup and you just start dipping it and drinking it? Obviously, it's just a dumb example, but the answer is you would never be able to fully drink, not even a little bit of the vastness of the ocean. That's how I feel when I'm studying the Word of God. 
It's just absolutely so vast. It's like we could truly spend eternity just learning and, and, and seeing the veils removed of truth that's laying right before us. The act of reading the Bible isn't to own the subject, but to understand the author who wrote it. I used to want to know the subject so I could say, yeah, I understand uh, all that eschatology and that predispensational blah, 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 blah. You know what? It just sounds ugly, doesn't it? It just sounds shallow. But to know the one who authored it, that's what I really want to know. I was in one of my travels in Juneau, and there was like an art show. And I may have said this even at the Citadel, but I'm walking through, and all these artists are showing their creation. And I'm looking at everything, and obviously it's so neat to know that a person had a thought, and then they were able to bring that thought into the natural and show people something that they created. And I just sat there and I thought, but I want to know the author. I want to know the person that actually made it. When I'm reading the scripture, I always say, Lord, I want to understand your truth, but I want to understand you. I want to know, I want to know you more. Amen? Because if I know him and begin to understand his ways, then I can maybe get a better understanding of what he's actually saying. Right? Can a man see all the universe from his vantage point? When I'm in Sutton at 2 in the morning with no full moon and it's pitch dark on a clear night, I look up and I'm just absolutely overwhelmed at the stars. I've always loved the stars as a kid. I used to lay on the trampoline at night and just stare. And wherever they would twinkle, I would just sit there and watch. And then every once in a while you get to see a shooting star or a meteor or whatever. And these days, you can see a whole lot more things going on with, you know, 50,000 satellites or whatever that are they're floating up there. But um, it's just amazing how I can't see all the, the universe. I'm just amazed at just the Big Dipper, how it's sitting there almost precisely. And I'm going, this is amazing. Like, how does it sit there like that? So these things, you just go... God is so vast. So when we're talking about the fruit of the Spirit, I don't ever want to come off as that we got it all figured out. There's so much depth to these things. We're just dipping our toe in these things. It's just what we're doing. Can a created being fully understand even his own makeup, much less fully grasp the one who made him? I don't even understand how my body works, to be honest. It's just amazing to me, you know. It's a machine, and it's operating right now. I don't understand it. How can I sleep and continue to breathe when I'm asleep? It's amazing. Can a grape on the vine understand how he came forth? It's in this miserably humble state of being that I come tonight to try and shed light on an awesome subject as the love of God. How can we even fathom it? How can we even fathom it? And that love that, was, that has been shed abroad into the heart of those who have been reconciled to God by faith. The love of God has been poured into your heart and my heart. And so many of us 
want to know him more, but we don't give time to it. And then as we know in James 3, not many of you should be t- become teachers, my brothers, for you know that those who teach will be judged with greater strictness. And like Nicodemus, are you the teacher of Israel, Jesus said, and yet you do not even understand these basic things that I tell you? To have the ability to unlock a door of revelation and understanding that we may know him better is my prayer for all of us. To somehow be in the scriptures, waiting on him, and then all of a sudden you hear a key go, and the door opens. And you get a glimpse of something that you've never seen before. That is what I hunger for. And I hope that is what you hunger for. Because the Apostle Paul said in Ephesians 1, verse 15 through 18, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. And if you continue in that chapter, the things he says are just like looking at the stars. They're just like looking at things that we can't fathom. The Apostle Paul had wisdom and revelation that he had to have um, a messenger of Satan given to him to buffet him because of the greatness of the revelation that he had of Christ. Absolutely amazing. And his prayer is that we would begin to receive the spirit of wisdom and revelation, which is the spirit of the Lord. Because it's in Christ all the hidden treasures are hidden. It's in Christ. So, as we talk about these things, I pray that that is the attitude of your heart, is that we're not just getting information now we know it all. We're actually just getting our fingertip wet. So many people try to build doctrines on, well, there's those nine fruits of the Spirit. Well, those fruits here on this piece of paper that I've given you, the fruit of love, hope, wisdom, self-control, spiritual gifts, truth, humility, fruits of the Spirit, those are attitudes of our heart. It's the attitude. Because you can't have patience unless your attitude is that to be patient. So it's an attitude. So what the Lord does is He changes the attitude of our heart to be more supple, to receive the fruit of the Spirit that will begin to come forth in our life. We can't just put it on. We have to have the attitude. I think think it's Philippians that says, let this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So, worship is a fruit. Giving is a fruit. Repentance is a fruit. Leading others to Christ Jesus is a fruit. The fruit is the evidence, the proof that we are his. So, 
I'm going to talk about love tonight, and I really am going to try just to read these scriptures. I'm going to try to just, like a machine gun, hit you with the scriptures that build you up, because it's not Mike's words that do anything. It's the Word of God that strengthens you and builds you up in your most holy faith. Amen? Let's turn to John 15, 12. John 15, 12, this is Jesus speaking. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. So we should understand that to obey the commandment of the Lord, we need to love one another. And then he gives us a clue on how to love one another, as I have loved you. Now, many know, some might not, but many know that the word love in the Scripture could be agape love, eros love, storge love, or philia love. Agape love is Christ's love. It's unconditional love. The eros or eros love is like a romantic love between two lovers. And the storge is like family member love. Even though you might not hang out with your family member, there's just a bond with your family that goes beyond words. Like, they're my flesh and blood. Like, their DNA is in me, right? And then philia or Philadelphia love is brotherly love like Jonathan and David had. They had a brotherly love. Even though they were not actual siblings, they loved one another. So in John 15, 12, this is my commandment, that you agape, that you have unconditional love for one another. Unconditional love for one another. If we turn to Psalms 89, 14... It says, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. God is love, the scripture declares, and righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne. Today, you hear the term, love is love. But the love of God is founded on righteousness and justice. And I, everything in me wants to go down a rabbit trail and we can define righteousness and justice and begin to see that when we don't love like God loves, it's almost like a crime against the Lord. So there becomes justice. There has to be a justice. And the justice of God was taken care of by Christ. The justice of God was met in the sacrifice of Christ. But there still is coming justice on this earth. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. If someone does something to me that's unloving, I'm not supposed to react out of 
the tree of the knowledge of good and evil with anger in a hurtful way because now I'm taking vengeance upon myself. There is coming a day when those who have rejected the Lord and spurred his discipline and his truth, there will come justice. So love isn't just love. There's a type of love that we need to learn about, which is the love of God. So Psalms 89, 14, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Steadfast love and faithfulness go before you. That steadfast love there is Strong's number H, as in hotel, 2617, and it speaks of kindness, merciful, and goodness. So his kindness and faithfulness go before you. His kindness, his mercy, his goodness. So as we're reading these following scriptures, every single one of the scriptures that I'm going to read off here is agape love. It's agape love. I'm just going to read this one more time as we move into these. Verse 19, Galatians 5, verse 19 Now the works of the flesh are evident, sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of walking with the Spirit is agape. It's unconditional love. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desires If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. So as we now are led by the Spirit, the Spirit is producing fruit in our lives. Paul's point in this verse in Galatians is to emphasize the attributes that should be evident and operating in a follower of Christ if the Holy Spirit dwells within their heart as opposed to those attributes that are evident in a person who is not born from above. So, when we see someone who doesn't know the Lord, how should they be acting? Mostly, they don't know the Lord, so therefore they're going to be showing the fruits of, of evil, right? Now, there are a lot of people that I know who are in a sense, do good things. They're, they're seemingly morally good people, right? They just don't know the Lord. So truly walking by the Spirit is not just being morally good and making right decisions. It's, it's we have been crucified with Christ. We've been given a new nature, and now that new nature is operating within us because of the Spirit within us, right? Without Christ, there is no hope. So, in 1 John 3, verse 10, 1 John 3, verse
verse 10, it says, In this, the children of God are manifest. In other words, here's how you can tell that someone is a child of God. And the children of the devil, whosoever doeth not righteousness is not of God, neither he that loveth not his brother. So if we don't love our brother, we aren't walking in agape. We aren't walking in God's love. And when you are with your brothers and sisters, and we're all at different levels of understanding, we're all at different levels of maturity, we all come from different backgrounds, we all come from different family situations, a lot of fights can break out between brother and brother. Paul was talking about in Corinthians how they were fighting one another and taking each other to court, right? And he's going, hey, you guys are eating off of the wrong tree. You're not walking by the Spirit. You're actually walking after the flesh. How is it that you started by the Spirit, but now you think you can just do it by the works of the flesh? You can't do it. So in 1 John 3, verse 14, it says, We know that we have passed from death unto life because we love, we agape, the brethren. He that loveth not his brother abideth in death. So, over the years, I've been serving the Lord since uh, 1987. I knew him when I was eight years old, but I didn't actually start following the Lord until I was 17. And in my mind, that's when I made my decision to follow. At eight, I received him. If I was following him, I didn't know it. But I just knew he was God, but I wasn't ready to change my lifestyle. But at 17, it was almost like a fork came to the road, and it was like, if I'm going to believe in the Lord, I actually need to start yielding to what the Word says. I have to make a decision. I don't want to be one of those guys that the Lord says, away from me. I never knew you. And at the end tonight, I will show you a scripture that shows you how you can know that you know him. So I just love the nuggets that just, as you're not even looking for it, bloop, and you go, thank you, Lord. I'll take that. 1 John 4, 7, Beloved, let us love, agape, one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God and knows God. In this journey, I have been hurt and wounded by many people, just like you guys probably have. Family, friends, those that you never thought would speak against you, those that you never thought were, would do those things. And it's like you truly have to forgive them. And you just have to say, while I was yet a sinner. Christ died for me. While I was in the act of hurting other people and sinning myself, Christ died for me. So I need to extend that same love that's now shed abroad in my heart. I want to give that to those who have hurt me. And I pray that those who I have hurt, because believe me, in my passion, in my gift set, I'm sure I have hurt many people. Not knowing it, 
and not purposefully. How many times have we done things thinking we were doing what was right and all along we were really like stepping on their throat and taking all the air away from them, almost killing them, not even knowing it. So once again, I've went to many people, as many as I had remembered, and you try to say, hey, that was not my intent. I see you have a black eye, and, you know, not literally, but you know, I see that you were hurt, but that wasn't my intent, and I apologize. You know, and everybody's nice, but they're, they're nice with their shield up, you know, and it takes time to work through things. And uh, there's people that I still pray for today that I love dearly, but once again, there's sometimes after hurt has, has happened, it's hard to walk with those people, you know, after that. I'm not saying you can't. We're all overcomers. And I love my brother and my sister. I see the good in them. I see Christ in them. But unless two agree, it's hard to walk together. And let's face it, in this fellowship of believers, if we were to sit and say, well, what's your view on this? What's your view on that? If we focused on different views, we would be divided and we'd all leave and backbite one another probably. It would just probably get ugly. I'm not saying that that would happen. But the potential is there. It's just the way it is. So that's why we focus on Christ. We try to not get so deep into things that we bring up arguments. And I have been guilty of that because I like to study. So then I'm like, well, wait a minute. What about flat earth? What about this? And you bring up crazy things because I love to check things like that out. But those things bring division. Those things bring problems. Now, I still love to talk about those things. Um, but I'm just learning as I get older, you know, and, and I have good brothers in years past that have said, you shouldn't bring those things up. And I'm like, why not? You know, I'm not trying to stir the pot. I'm just, why not? I mean, we're brothers, you know. But there's a time and a place, and there's just some people you can't go there with. So, like I say, as I get older, I'm learning that the sins of my past, uh, the Lord has been merciful to forgive me and I just pray that those that I have hurt would forgive me as I have forgiven them. And that will be something that until the Lord splits the eastern sky or we go to sleep uh, through death, uh, we'll be reconciled with our brothers and sisters. That's just our heart. The red carpet is always there, you know. So, just a little sidebar there. 1 John 4.20 if a man says, I love God, and hates his brother, he's a liar. For he that loves not his brother whom he has seen, how can he love God whom he has not seen? We have to love our brother, even if we disagree with him. We have to love him. It's unconditional love. Now, can you build boundaries? Of course you can set up boundaries. If they're hurtful in a way that's physical or if they're hurtful in a way where they're saying things that are really hurtful, of course you need to protect yourself and take precautions, but never let your heart begin to just fester with bitterness and resentment towards someone because that will choke the love of God out of your heart that's trying to increase in our hearts. Amen? I've told Vic and others before, there's times when I don't really want to enter into 
deeper unions with people, it's not because I don't want to. It's because I want to keep my friendship with them. That might sound crazy, but sometimes you just say, no, I want to see Vic's loving face for the next 80 years if the Lord lets me live that long, and I don't want that to ever go away. And sometimes if you get too close in the ring, you hurt one another. Now, am I saying that we live an isolated life and never get deep with people? Obviously, I'm not saying that. You have to find people as you grow in that relationship. Maybe I'm not ready to go to that place with that person yet because the relationship couldn't sustain that. But there's other people that you can jump right into something and just be wise in your relationships. So anyhow, we're all growing. We're all trying to move forward in Christ. But I think the older I get, the slower I am to speak and the quicker I am to listen. Where before, I just was like, oh, you want to know me? So I'd be like, and like 20 minutes later, well, that's who I am. And have no idea if I just mowed that person down and wore them out. It's just the way that my nature has been. So thank the Lord for old age and for the Lord kind of winding people down. Uh, it's been a blessing to me. 1 John four twenty one, and this commandment we have from him that he who loves God loves his brother also. Now you see how John talks about loving his brother over and over and over. It's like that is his message. Well, you know the story, right? So they were called the sons of Zebedee. They were called the sons of thunder because when John was just called, him and James, they went somewhere to a city and they were trying to find something and they got torqued off at the people that would not help and they go, you want us to pray fire come down from heaven and consume them? And the Lord was like, yeah, no, that's not what we're going to do, you know. Uh, they had so much energy, you know, they were so passionate does that sound like somebody in here? So a lot of passion and a lot of energy can get us in trouble. But when you begin to find out that that same John was the John that laid his head on the bosom of Christ and was the closest to him, he was in the inner three circle, and the Lord revealed so much to him, and here you see that John is known as the disciple of, of love. So as he walked with the Lord and allowed the Lord's Spirit to begin to move in him and sanctify him, he went from being a passionate, harsh, critical guy with lots of excitement to this steadfast, faithful lover of the Lord Jesus. So much so that the Lord said, Here's your mother. He even gave him a responsibility of his own mother. And then on the Isle of Patmos, when he was enchained because of Christ Jesus, the Lord showed him so much revelation that we are actually living in today. What a hopeful thing that is, an encouraging thing that as we walk with the Lord, even if we start out really rough, <coughs> and I had pretty sure that the people that knew me a long time ago would probably be like, well, that's an understatement. But as we just yield to the Lord year after year, 
day after day, circumstance after circumstance, divine circumstances that come into our life to just mold us and shape us to where now we're starting to sound like John. We're starting to sound like Paul. We're starting to sound like Christ. Because Christ is being formed in us. And what was formed in Paul? And what was formed in John? And what was formed in James? You can see Christ in all of them. And Jesus said, just as I walked, so shall you. And we know that if we follow him, we will come and have much difficulty John 15, 12, I'm just going to read it. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Doesn't matter what time it is, doesn't matter what the cost, I'm going to go help my brother. May that be in all of us. May that be in all of us to say, hey, I'm there if you need me. And if you knock on the door at 2 in the morning, I'm not going to say, we're all in bed, man. Come back at 9 in the morning. I know you're starving, but see you later. Have a good night. Uh, be well fed. You know, we should get up and help as best we can. Dumb analogy. It's in the scripture. Now, John 15, 14 says, you are my friends if you do what I command you. And what has he commanded us? To love one another. John 15, 15, No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. When it says, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, that's a person that just hasn't quite understood the goal of our faith is being conformed to the measure and the stature of Christ, which is walking in love unconditional love and am I there yet I'm on my way I can't say I've, I've reached the destination just like Paul said he couldn't we are all walking toward loving the way Christ loved not me learning to love but Christ in me loving through me as I yield to the Lord because we begin to see that we're, we're in love with that kind of love. Verse 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will agape one another. 1 John 5, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. They've been born of love. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of love, born of Him. I love John chapter 1, verse 12. It says, but to all who did receive Him, who believed in His name, he gave the right to become children of God. So let me say it this way. But to all who did receive his love, who believed in Jesus, he gave the right to become children of God. Children of love. 
children of love. John 17, 6, I have manifested your name to the people whom you gave me out of the world. Yours they were, and you gave them to me, and they have kept your word. Now they know everything that you have given me is from you. Now that word kept right there is Strong's uh, number G as in golf. 5083, and it's to cause a state of continuing, of to continue, already decided in their mind to continue, to hold to, to guard, to watch, and to persevere. We're going to watch, we're going to make up our mind to follow the Lord and stay in his love. Even when things happen that make us not want to begin, not want to continue to love that person or that situation, we need to stay in love. And sometimes that means back out for a bit. First John 2, verse 5, whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected, By this we may know that we are in him. If you keep loving, if you stay in that loving relationship with the Lord, if you still agape, that agape, that love of the Lord will perfect your love. You will begin to love like Christ did. You will begin to love your enemies. You will begin to love your enemies. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. What is his commandments? To love one another. He said, if you love one another, you fulfilled the law. Second John chapter 6, and this is love, that we walk according to his commandments. This is the commandment, Just as you have heard from the beginning, so that you should walk in it. What was the commandment from the beginning? To love one another. John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. 1 John 2, 3, and by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. And his commandments, Jesus said, are not burdensome. Because remember, it's Christ loving through us. If we keep our eyes on Christ and keep to his words. I remember when I was going through a difficult time, we've had some rough patches there in ministry, if you want to call it that, just in following the Lord. And I would call up Robert and be like, man, I'm just struggling today, man. You know, and he would say, he would always encourage me by giving me the word. Hey, the Bible says when you suffer persecution, rejoice. And I'd be like, man, I needed to hear that. Because we can read these scriptures all day long, but we need one another to encourage us as we see the day approaching. So, in John 15, 10, if you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. So I think you guys get the point. 
John went from a man that wanted to absolutely, if, they, if things didn't go his way, he was ready to turn them into bacon. Now, all this man talks about is love, love, love. And I don't mean love is love. I don't mean the culture love that we have today. There is still obedience to God's way of love. There is justice. There is a righteousness. There is a right way to love one another. And it's not that all of a sudden all the things that God hated are now fine. So, and I, I don't want to go down that road. That's for another day. I'd really maybe we'd like to talk about what people call love today and then show the difference between the love of God versus what people call love today. You know, because as followers of Christ, we will be told that we aren't loving. We're already being told, if you choose not to do this or not to do that, that you're unloving, that you're a murderer. I know a lady that's running for a political office here in town, sweet lady, everybody in here probably even knows her, and because she said uh, a certain thing about a mask, you're a murderer. So once again, you know, you're, you're trying to love a person but your view of love to someone else is you're a murderer. So we need to know the love of God, and we need to know that Jesus said, hey, I came, I am love. They crucified me. So the love that you're going to walk in, they're going to do the same. Maybe not literally the same death, but you will be hated of all men. And you can see it starting to happen. So that's why we need to understand these things. That, Because I think a lot of people kind of go, well, maybe I am wrong. Maybe I'm taking the wrong perspective on this. Maybe we've been wrong all the time. And I'll people, I'll, I've, been, I've been watching people's responses, and they're just like, well, I think we need to do this because Jesus would do that. And I'm just like, well, can't judge a brother. Let him do what he wants, but... I'm going to stick to the things that the Lord said to do. And once again, we have to go to the scriptures to learn how to walk in this life. Amen? Let's see here. That's a rattling truck, isn't it? That's a big truck. Oh, right on, right on. I guess there's a bulldozer out in the driveway. I was thinking we might be leaving this place right now. Hallelujah. Come, Lord Jesus. All right. So, um... In 1 Corinthians 14.1, it says, pursue love. Pursue love. Pursue agape. Love people. What is love? Love is keeping his commandments. What is his commandments? His commandment is to love. Broken record, just saying it. So, let's talk about 1 Corinthians 13, which is called the way of love. I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 13. This is Paul talking about love. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, do not keep, do not keep his commandments. I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I know many people that have, have in certain circles, because that person didn't speak in a tongue, they pretty much wanted to excommunicate them. And it's like, wait a minute, we got this all wrong here. Like, what's more important, speaking in a tongue or loving one another, right? And love is patient. 
and kind. <laughs> right? So, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have prophetic powers and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but have not love, I am nothing. That's just an amazing statement. When you really sit in quiet and read that little by little and go, so all those amazing things that he just said, which so many of us go after at times, that's nothing. That's not on the top of the list if we're walking by the Spirit. It's love. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Some people say, put, put your name in there. So I'm going to say, Robert is patient and kind. Robert does not envy or boast. Robert is not arrogant or rude. Robert does not insist on his own way. Robert is not irritable or resentful. Robert does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but Robert rejoices with the truth. Robert bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Robert's love never ends because Robert has the love of God in him. Let it be Jesus for all of us. Now, I'm not saying that that's the way we should view this scripture for those that are like now, you know, thinking that I'm in error or something. I'm just saying, when you put yourself there, am I patient? Am I kind? Just just look in the mirror. Let's look in the mirror, right? Verse 8, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. And man, am I ready for prophecies to pass away. Every day I hear the new word, new word, new word. I'm like, man, can we just get off that train? The word is written right here. It's Christ Jesus. Get on that train. And I'm not anti-prophecy. I prophesied. That was like the gift that was functioning in me early on. I believe in prophecy. It's of God. It's holy. Amen. Prophecy's good. However, I think we've had a lot of prophecies, and we got so many prophecies, we just need to like sit back now and read the true prophetic word, which is a sure word of prophecy, and it will come to pass, because it came straight out of the mouth of the Lord Jesus. Jesus is the spirit of prophecy, amen, right? And we know that he's not a man that he should lie, he is truth, That's why we should know what came out of his mouth because it wasn't just his good ideas. When he said, you Pharisees, you Sadducees, you rulers of the law, you hypocrites, you are of your father, the devil, he wasn't just mad slinging out words. He was telling us exactly who they were. We just realize that Jesus cannot lie. So the words that came out of his mouth aren't good ideas or suggestions or we're just going, oh, they're just, they're just like, let me think, they're just like snakes. He wasn't saying that. He said, you are. And it's like, if they weren't, they are now because he just spoke it. Rabbit trail. 
Now, verse 9, for we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child, I thought like a child, I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide. These three. But the greatest of these is love. Out of every single thing that he talked about here, and I know you know this, I'm just agreeing with you, love is the greatest thing. And that is agape love. Loving way beyond our ability to love. It's his love that needs to operate through us. We love God by keeping his commands We love others by the love that he has shed abroad in our hearts for one another. Agape love does not come naturally to us because our fallen nature, we are incapable of producing such a love. If we are to love as God loves, that love, that agape, can only come from its source. This is the love that has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us when we became his children. So once again, it's not the love of Mike. It's the love of God that's within us. Yes, Robert. Amen. Love is the greatest thing because God is love. That's how he describes himself. I am love. Unconditional agape love. That's why he says, whatever your situation, whether you've been a drunkard, or fill in all the blanks. I won't even waste the time going through all the things that we know we have been and still working through. Come unto me, and I will love you. Come to me. Just come to me, and I love you. Now, as you walk with me, I want you to learn to say no by my power that's working within you. That's it. Like it says, in our time of weakness, we can go to the throne of God to receive help in time of need. All right. Uh, Galatians 5, but the the fruit of the Spirit is love. 1 John 3, 16, by this we know that he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers Because of God's love toward us, we are able to love one another. Without repeating all the same scriptures, uh, they're different scriptures. Like last uh, week, Matt was like, you're repeating a lot. But they were all different scriptures. Because if you read the scripture, it's over and over and over. Because we need to hear it over (laughs) and over and over. Right? We need to. I thought this was interesting in Acts chapter 2, verse 17. And in the last days, it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. His love was poured out for us to love first 
not just to prophesy and do miracles. So on the day of Pentecost, in the upper room, when the Spirit of God was poured out, the love of God, the tongues of fire, the power, the dunamis came, but it was a power to love. It was a power to love one another. You know, and when you study the early church, when um, the Roman emperor was using some of the, the early church disciples as lights on a walkway, they were burning them, and they were like lighting up the walkway as they were going into some of the Roman buildings and, the, and that. Nowhere did I read anywhere that those disciples were screaming and yelling profanities at these people. Stephen, when he was being stoned, he said, forgive them, for they know not what they do. There was a power working in Stephen that was not of Stephen. It was the love that was shed in his heart to say, forgive them as the stones are coming at him. Because the love of God doesn't strike out at people. It continues to love. Man, Jesus, when they were mocking him and pulling out his beard and everything, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Like, for that love to be in us is the goal. And it is in us. It's a measure that will increase as we continue to follow him and know him. So, um... Let's see here. I'm just going to go through a couple of these. This is a good one. Galatians 5, starting in verse 6. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. Verse 7, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? They had begun to lose their love for one another. It says in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. And if it were not for the Lord cutting the days short, that even the very elect would fall away. It is scary. That's why I think the Lord was encouraging me that as we see these things happening all around us, the American patriot in some of us can begin to get rowdy and begin to want to say, this is the way it should be. And this, I would caution all of us and warn all of us to keep the love light on. Keep love as the goal. Yes, we have rights. And yes, they're being stretched thin and taken away. And lots of things will happen. Don't you remember when the children of Israel went out of Jerusalem and they were put in exile? And the Lord, through the mouth of the prophet, said, just go in there. Build houses. Plant vineyards. You're going to be there a while. Well, whatever happens in our situation, we have to keep the attitude of walking in love. That will be, if you want to call the end time battle, 
It's walking in love. God help us all. Now, Psalms 85, 7 through 13, I'm just going to read one little thing. Righteousness will go before him and make his footsteps away. Running well is obeying the truth and producing fruit, our faith expressing itself through love as we love one another. Uh, Let's see. I'll read 2 Peter 2. Grace and peace be multiplied. This is 2 Peter 2 uh, through 11. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord, according as his divine power hath given us unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to the glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises that by these ye might be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And beside this, giving all diligence, add to your virtue, and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, love. For if these things be in you and are abounding, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, Peter threw out a lot in that one section of Scripture. That's a huge, huge uh, place to camp for a while. Verse 9, But he that lacketh these things, and all these things are virtue, knowledge, temperance, patience, godliness, and kindness, and love. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and has forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. Wherefore, brethren, give diligence to make your calling and election sure, for if you do these things, you shall never fall. For an entrance shall be ministered unto you abundantly in the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So I'm closing with this, and when I say that, that doesn't mean 30 minutes later. Here's what I'm going to tell you, and we're out of here. Like a marriage covenant, we are his bride, and his bride will love. Because his bride will walk like him. And once again, it's not because we're willpower walking in him. It's because we no longer live. He's living in us. And all the fruit of the Spirit is manifesting within us because we're yielding unto Him in love. And love is coming forth through us. Second, turn to 2 Corinthians 11.
starting in verse 2. This is Paul talking. For I feel a divine jealousy for you, since I betrothed you to one husband, to present you as a pure virgin to Christ. But I am afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, that your thoughts, say your thoughts, will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. Once again, the battlefield is in our mind, the way we think. So we have to find ourselves in the Scripture, in the Word. The last Scripture is Hosea 2.20. I'm going to read this slow, and this is to all of us. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness, and you shall know the Lord. Jeremiah 31, 34, And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me. From the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and I will remember their sin no more. I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord. As we walk in his faithfulness, we will be faithful. So, Lord, I ask tonight, God, that we would be found faithful knowing you. And knowing you is to love the brother, is to love our brother, is to love the brotherhood, is to love those, not only those that you have called and sanctified, but it's also to love our enemies because we were yet enemies when you died for us. And Lord, I know even now the scripture says that behold, many live as enemies of the cross. God, help us to follow you in saying no to ungodliness and yes to godliness, not by our own willpower, but by yielding to the truth which says to follow you. And following you, we will not be led into sin because you don't partake of it. So God, I ask you to help us in our marriage covenant with you. I pray that we would be found faithful like a spouse is faithful to her husband or faithful to his wife. I pray that we would be found faithful, Lord. Forgive us, Lord, of our unfaithfulness. Forgive us where we have not held up, God, to that covenant that you made with us. 
So, Father, I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you forgive us. And I thank you, God, that you can give us strength to walk with you and that we will be known as we're fully known when you appear. In Jesus' name, we pray and ask and thank you. And all God's people said, amen. Was there any questions regarding some of that tonight? Not that I'm the Bible answer man. I don't ever think that. Um, And once again, please hearken back to looking up at the skies and taking a drink of water from the ocean. I don't have all the answers. I just know that since when I came to Christ, knowing what I came out of, knowing what was in me, the Lord and I have been on a long journey. And I don't think we're anywhere close to the end in the sense of where I would like to be, but we could be close to the end in the sense of our journey. But I would say that the goal of our faith is to be conformed to the measure and the stature of Christ Jesus. To love like him, to believe like him. In Revelation it says to uh, hold to the testimony of Jesus and the faith of Jesus. Not the faith in Jesus, but the faith of Jesus. Meaning he believed that the Father heard him, he would even pray, Lord, I don't pray this because I think you aren't hearing me. I know you hear me. I'm saying this basically for the disciples. We need to know that we know the Lord, and we need to know that we know the Father, and that is to walk like him by the Spirit. And uh, all of us need to pray for one another. Uh, all of us should pray for one another. If you think of me, Don't just throw up a a little daisy bomb. Lay it out on me. Pray for Shalin and I as we pray for one another. We need one another. Not all of us have what we think we have. But if we have one another and we have Christ in us, we have all that we need. Any questions, concerns, comments? Everybody's minds and hearts are clear. All right, well, we will call it good. I believe we have one more Wednesday night of uh, this class, and I'm going to try to go through the remaining fruits, which should be quick, uh, because there's not a lot specifically about those things. It's like tonight, you kind of repeat yourself a lot, because that's what the scriptures say. So uh, ask the Lord to give us revelation and understanding uh, to understand more. But I know that in the days to come, there are things that work against our love, And we could talk about things like that. But I know that the Lord is working his fruit in our life. So, Lord, let our attitudes be that of Christ Jesus. God bless you. Love you. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.